You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. Allison Rosen. This week on Allison Rosen is your new best friend, Bob Bryan. Are you scared? Um, no. I mean, I have uh, brain cancer, and most likely I will die from brain cancer someday. Uh, I am upset about that fact, but will being upset about that fact increase my quality of life in any way or make my life any better? Absolutely not. Will living my life as though I'm not sick make my life better? Probably. Probably will make however many years I have, hopefully very many, it'll make however many years I have uh, either more enjoyable for myself, for my wife, for my family, for my friends. Subscribe to Allison Rosen as your new best friend on iTunes or go to AllisonRosen.com. Only from the Ace Broadcasting Network. Allison's your new best friend. Now, it's time for this week's CarCast with your host, Adam Carolla and moderator Matt D'Andrea. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get it on. Mandate, get it on, and welcome to yet another... The hell's the name of this show? CarCast. 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 Keep doing too many shows. I'm your host, Matt D'Andrea, and as That's usual, right. Lake, man. Lake Speed Jr. here. <laughs> General Manager and Head of Technical Support for Joe Gibbs Driving, or Driven, I should say, Racing Oil. I use the Joe Gibbs stuff in my racing cars, and... Um, Lake is a certified lubrication specialist and oil monitoring analyst. Less than 300 people in the world hold both certificates. I love that. So I ask, I always ask, I never stop asking. I always want to know about the synthetic versus the uh, dinosaur oil. And there's probably nobody in North America who knows more about oil than you. Um, Joe Gibbs, people know him as, a, I guess, the head coach of the Washington Redskins. And in 99, he had uh, several engine failures, and he's decided to start making his own product? Yeah, you know, our history as a NASCAR team actually goes back to, like, 1992 when we started. For several Mm -hmm. years, we had uh, Shell was one of our associate sponsors. You know, kind of the funny background story was that Home Depot was not originally going to be Tony Stewart's sponsor. Mm-hmm. Shell had signed up to be the sponsor of the car, mm-hmm. and everything was life. It was good there, and the Shell guys gave us this really cool, fancy trick oil they called their motorsports blend that you mm-hmm. couldn't buy. Mm-hmm. That if Shell gave you a check, you get this free oil. Mm-hmm. And um, stuff worked great. We had great success with our engine program there at Joe Gibbs Racing. And then in uh, 1999, or actually 98, um, Shell decided, uh-oh, is not our direction we're going to do. We're out. Okay. And then Tony uh, Home Depot stepped in. And so in 1999... We were just going to Walmart and buying oil. I mean, I, my dad was a NASCAR driver for, you know, 20 years. And I remember as a teenager, them giving me the company credit card and going to the Kmart in Port Orange, Florida, yeah. and buying every quart of Mobile One they had in the shelf. That's right. And, and putting it in the race car and Daytona 500 and never had a problem. Right. Well, here in 1999, we're just doing like we always have done, go to the store, buy oil, put it in the car, and the cams are going flat. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just losing engines left and right. And, you know, Coach being the kind of – go-to guy he is we coach said, oh, joe gibbs coach gibbs yeah yeah uh not the purse manufacturer yeah uh, yeah i guess we are in la so i gotta, you gotta watch my, out yeah watch mm-hmm. my language yeah mm-hmm. um uh we went back to shell right mm-hmm. said hey can we buy this stuff and they're like no you can't well why not well it's not a deal and so well, where can we go and come to find out there's only like four companies that actually make the additives that go into oil i mean quarter oil is two things it's 85 percent oil about 15% additives. Mm-hmm. There's four companies that make the additives. Is the oil, the base, the same for most all oils? I mean, especially, or synthetic or not? Uh, very similar, yeah. There's only three companies that actually make synthetic base oil. ExxonMobil, uh, Chevron Phillips, and a company called Ineos. And the rest is how you season it with yes. your additives. Right. Exactly. A, a lot like gasoline. 
Very similar. People to don't realize that gasoline's basically all the same and all sort of comes from the same place. And then each company does its own little thing. We've got Tecrolene and all that yeah. crap. But it, yeah, essentially, exactly. and then it becomes a marketing company, right? Like after you, exactly. That's right. the thing. Right. You, you got three companies that make synthetic base oil. You got probably, four companies that make the additives. But there's what probably a million companies that have synthetic yeah, oil they sell. I mean, you go into any store and you're going to see 13 different brands right, right away. So. Right. So, so you you be, and it's all about colors and marketing and sponsorship and stuff like that. And uh, Joe Gibbs, now, what I understand, when my guy was building my Datsun race motors, it's always like, we need the zinc. Right. <laughs> we yeah. want zinc in there. And yeah. that was the issue we had, yeah. is that the oil we were buying off the shelf, we didn't know it. The, the EPA had come up with some new regulations for emissions that had caused the oil manufacturers to take the zinc, or not re- take it out, but reduce it. Ah, so you yeah. thought you were getting the same mobile one you were getting back in the day. Right. But now it's missing a lot of the zinc, and it's screwing up your cams. Exactly. And you think you're just getting mobile one, and you don't know they've removed the key ingredient that is saving those cams. Exactly. Right. And that's where the guys at Shell were nice enough to point us to Lubrizol, who's no one's ever heard of unless you happen to be a, a stakeholder in Berkshire Hathaway, because Warren right. Buffett bought them for $9 billion back in January. Wow. Yeah, kind of a yeah. kind of a deal. Yeah, he but, called me, and told me about that. Oh yeah, insider <laughs> trading deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, we've got a Lubrizol. They're the guys that invented zinc dialkyldithiophosphate, which we just call zinc because that's a lot easier to say. Right. Right. And so we hooked up with Lubrizol. They started developing the oils for us, and that's actually who where we buy the oil from. Now, how uh, the difference? And you hear about the break-in oil, right? And then, yeah. and then I'm constantly. And, and, like, I may need you just to make a call to my buddy Les when we're done here. But, you know, I, I love the idea of synthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, every human being I speak to in racing goes, oh, yeah, synthetic. synthetic. But there's one human being on the planet. That doesn't. <laughs> that does not go for synthetic. Yeah, he, and that's the guy who builds my motors. But his argument is he's saying that, you know, the cars that you race. He still uses the Joe Gibbs. Right. He's and, saying the cars that you race are, are vintage cars. They're built to vintage specs. And the tolerances and the seals and everything on those cars aren't what they are today on a new motor. And he's saying that the synthetic is two things. One, he's saying the zinc you need. And he's saying that the synthetics are just too slippery. They'll just go right through. They'll just start oozing out of everything. Right. But then everyone who knows about synthetics says, well, wait a minute. They make a synthetic that will work for this application. And secondly, I don't care if I have to pour in a quart every every other year. But go ahead. Well, that's – I mean, the truth is if you have – the right levels of zinc, the right balance of seasonings, right, mm-hmm. in the oil, the engine doesn't care if it's synthetic or it's mineral. Obviously, a synthetic oil, base oil, can handle more heat and more load than a conventional oil, so it's better. And How what about much... Les's argument of being too slippery? He's saying maybe too slippery, well, it'll go through the seals. Here's the deal. The, here's the story on the seals. Because the tolerances aren't there. He's saying right? those, those mm-hmm. piston rings. Have you ever had a car that was run on regular gasoline and then you had to switch over to any kind of ethanol fuel? No, but we live out in Southern California. So I don't know what it is. Well, you know, the, so the issue is— We don't have a lot of corn out well, here. Well, perfect example. Okay, a couple of years ago in, in NASCAR, they made a switch from running, you know, unleaded gas to E15. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So we had to throw away all of our fuel cells, all the fuel lines. We had yeah. to replace all the power valves, all the floats, everything, you know, plastic or rubber in the fuel system and put in the exact same piece. Right. Why? Well, because the seals— became conditioned to the unleaded fuel. Mm-hmm. When you put in the ethanol fuel, it shocks the seals. They're uh-huh. all freaked out. I've never thought of that. It's the same thing with synthetic. If the mm-hmm. engine is run on synthetic pretty much its whole life, mm-hmm. it's, not ever, it's never going to hate it. So, so if you build the engine and you start feeding it, it's sort of like poi with a Hawaiian. Maybe so. Well, you try to give us poi now, and we'll spit that shit out. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Are you kidding? But if you grow up on it, right. it's fine. Right. So when you build the engine and you break it in and all that stuff, if it's only known synthetic, then that's what it'll be used to, and it'll be fine. Correct. So the the pros on synthetic, other you know, obviously there's the longevity part, but when you're talking about racing i mean for for a street application you go well i don't have to change my oil oil every four or five thousand miles i can change it every eleven thousand miles because it's synthetic but for a racing application you guys are going to change your oil 
I'm going to change my oil probably after each race, even though I'm not putting mine through, which you right. guys are putting yours through. Um, so are you picking up a couple of more horsepower? Like, I mean, what if I said in the in, in a NASCAR motor, you just had to run a straight, you know, non-synthetic, old, good old boy from the 60s or 70s motor oil uh, versus synthetic? You, We'd be screwed. You you really you really would like yeah. you would lose. Uh, would would it be five horsepower? Like would it, or would it be all about wear and tear? About, but about, it's oh. more about wear and tear. I mean, more the, about the, wear yeah. and tear. The 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 benefit of the and heat. Well, yeah, the, the benefit of the horsepower gain or the friction reduction is the last thing. There's really four things of why you'd want to use a synthetic oil. Mm-hmm. First is the temperature stability. You can, I mean, if you watch any of the Daytona races anymore, I mean, the guys are running 300 degrees. They're pushing water out of the radiator the whole race. Right. So to be able to run That's at sick. 300 degrees oil temperature the entire race, the only oil you can do that with is synthetic. I mean, the mineral right. oils would be junk. So the higher temperature stability is a big one. The next one is what they call viscosity index. And I know me and Matt talked about this earlier, you know, is that all oils get thinner as they get hotter. Right. But synthetic oils don't thin out as much. They actually hold right. their viscosity better. Even though they, when you pour them out, they look like they're water. Yeah. They don't change that much. Whereas right. conventional oils pour out like molasses yeah. and then turns into water. That's right. funny because Lake gave you a great presentation. He's like, you know when you pour a syrup on your pancakes, as soon as it hits hot pancakes, it gets really watery? Yeah. That's it. That's his presentation. That's how he sells oil. Are there uh, <laughs> are there any you could do worse? Are there any additives that are out there? I mean, all the slick fifties and all that kind of stuff. Are there any of those that are out there that are worth a damn? And are they even necessary in this day and age of synthetic oil? Because no. I used to see all those commercials. My favorite one is when they had like the ball bearing and they had the yeah. weight spring yes. thing on it and they'd pull uh, on it and they're like, and yeah. it stops. Every after time I walk into the store, there's the little gear I can The one arm band. The little yeah. gear. Well, so the- all the additives in this day and age are really neither here nor there if you use a decent synthetic Like the over the counter bottle. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, actually, uh, one of the questions on the exam I had to take to get certified is when is it appropriate to use an aftermarket additive in a crankcase? And mm-hmm. the answer is never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. It's the only one-word answer on the whole exam. You so, know, it, it's because it's all about, you said before, it's about the seasoning, the balance. Mm-hmm. If you have the right oil that has the right additives in there already, if you put something else in there, it can cause havoc. I mean, which you know, A perfect example is, you know, one guy will say, man, I used XYZ additive and I picked up five horsepower. Another guy will say, I used XYZ additive and I lost five main bearings. Right. Which one's lying? Well, neither right. one of them are. The one guy put it in with his Valvoline or whatever, and it worked great. The other guy put it in with his casserole, and it didn't mix right. because, the, because the chemical balance is different. So Joe Gibbs makes the um, synthetic oil mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with, the, with the high zinc content that we uh, talk about that, uh, like I said, my, my engine guy always uses and talks about. Also talks about high zinc in, in the break-in department. We'll right. talk about break-in oil in a second. And then there's, but Joe Gibbs also makes a mineral oil based oil too, right? Like that a non, is the a non oil. that's the breaking oil, the non synthetic. But I think, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think I run the break in oil in my engine. A lot be, of guys do. A lot of guys do. Now, what's, um, what do you think of that? Oh, it's fine. I mean, for, for what you're doing, right? If you go right. out to a typical week, weekend where you're only going to put a couple hours right. of runtime on the engine. Right. It's fine because that means the, the braking oil for us was originally designed to not just help break in the cam to keep it from going flat. It was also because our guys are lazy. We want to have one oil for the dyno and be able to do all the dyno tuning and testing on one oil because it's a pain in the butt to go in there and change mm-hmm. out five gallons of oil in the dyno. Right, so yeah. it was like, okay, we want to break in the engine for 30 minutes. We want to make you know all these power runs. We got about two hours of run time on the engine before it comes off the dyno. Mm-hmm. There's one oil in there the whole right. time. That's so, the breaking oil. E- explain what the breaking oil is to people that are listening. How that how that's going to be different than the other oils. Okay. Well, well, basically, you know, a breaking oil, and it kind of goes back to the old days when you used to buy a car and they had breaking oil in it, and right. they said, okay, run 500 miles on this and then bring it back and change it because you have special breaking oil in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, a breaking oil is is basically like primer for your engine. You know, mm-hmm. think about it. Any new engine, just like a cinder block wall, it's never been painted. Mm-hmm. It, all those surfaces need you know, that protective film. Mm-hmm. So for a break-in, you have super high levels of zinc, like way more than you would ever need. Mm-hmm. 
going forward, but you need that just to establish. It's kind of like, again, paint that cinder block wall. Right. It takes a ton of paint, right? Your, yeah. your shop wall's in there. Uh, somebody was out there probably for hours with blue paint trying to get that, that blue. It to st- yeah. Exactly. Right. Now, and you hear about it, especially with flat tappet cams. What about roller cams and things like that? Well, they need it too. I mean, all those surfaces, like Adam said, they drink up the zinc to try to get that film established. So you're, right? you're almost so, just sort of like, like bedding it. You yeah, know, all the uh, like seasoning, like a pan, like you would, like a cast iron pan. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're 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 breaking it in, you're seasoning it, you're priming it, however, you, whatever analogy you want to use, you're establishing that foundation. Well, Once so, you've established it, then the regular oil can just maintain like it. Like if we have the pancakes, would we cook the links in the <laughs> cast iron pan? Because I want some breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go yeah. to IHOP after this, folks. Yeah, we totally should, dude. We got Cracker Barrel back at it. Back I need. Oh, I missed the Cracker Barrel because they just like you're like. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have a glass of water. You like some gravy on that? <laughs> no, no cornbread and muffins. <laughs> just yeah. you want gravy ice cubes in there? They're like yeah, they give you a change to dump gravy in your hand when you're leaving. Like gravy I, ice cubes. There you go. <laughs> dumping gravy on. Yeah, everything. I want an iced coffee. It comes with gravy ice cubes. Yeah, I need zinc in my diet, so I'm going to drink some Joe Gibbs breaking oil. I don't know. So, if that's so right. is Joe <laughs> is Joe Gibbs? Um, I can't. And again, it's it's good because um, my guy Les uses it on on everything, and he loves the zinc, and and it's a lot of zinc conversation. And he he likes the dinosaur stuff because he's yeah he's he's old school. He, he's a bit of a dinosaur. He, he well, likes the, he sense, likes the though. old school. Yeah, it's and it works and it works. His, That's the his problem reasoning is, makes sense. His 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 logic makes sense. He hasn't really had a problem with the way he's doing it. So I, no, I don't know I, why we keep I, questioning I, him. I miss shifts all the time, and I never I never break anything, um, but. Uh, Joe Gibbs, so he always is getting the Joe Gibbs stuff, but I, I don't know cause I, uh, I've been, I've been, been hanging out. Actually, I was at a Pep Boys yesterday. I, I, I lied, <laughs> but I didn't go, oh God, go to the Hollywood Pep Boys. Oh dear God. <laughs> standing by, standing by the case, waiting for the guy to come by with the keys so I could get my spray paint out of it. Nothing yeah. more depressing. I That's know. Painful. Yeah, you got to look like what? Yeah. yeah, in Hollywood, if you want spray paint, you have to go talk to some 18-year-old guy with a skull tattoo on his forehead and go, "Hey, come <laughs> here, man. Yeah. Could just could the keymaster come over and let me get to my primer over did he, here?" Did he ask you for ID? Are you a street artist? No, I guess he figured <laughs> I wasn't a tagger, but um I didn't walk through the oil section. Now, where is, is Joe Gibbs at? Is is the product? No. It's oh, is it mail order? Is mail it, order. Mail yeah. order. Yeah, is Summit, it, Jags, those kind of places. It, yeah. What's the plan? Can is you get there, it on is Amazon? There, is there? Yeah, bigger? Amazon too. Yeah, we do have oh, it on good. Amazon. Yeah. Good. You click through our website. You click through uh, the uh, Amazon banner at uh, Ace Carcast and uh, show us a little love. What is? Is there a bigger plan? Like we're going to be in Chief Auto, Craig and Auto Parts, or is it that kind of thing, or is it specifically we do motor racing stuff? You know, this is right. Is high it a, end stuff it's an for, enthusiast oil? It's not. Yeah, we're an enthu- a, we're an enthusiast. Well, we, we we say we we service four markets. You know, the engine break in crowd, which is huge. We were the first company to have a break in oil. So, engine break in. Uh, collector cars, hot rods, you know, uh, you got cars that sit around for tons of time. Yeah. Adam but, doesn't have any of those. No, I, I didn't <laughs> notice those. Um, we have oil specifically for cars Ooh, that sit. I like that. Yeah. Now, now, how does that work? You now, have, and does it matter, like, the Mira versus the DB9 you saw out there? They're both sitting. Yeah, the same thing. When you have cars that sit for extended periods of time that yeah. hardly ever run, you actually need an oil that has rust and corrosion inhibitors to sit mm. in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. so we actually have an oil that has extra rust and corrosion inhibitors just for classic cars and cars that sit around. Yeah. When that oil's sitting in the pan for, in your case, 24 months. Sure. <laughs> then everything else above it that's dry will start to rust. Any right. type of moisture that gets into the engine at all is going to mm-hmm. ruin whatever's there. Yeah, we, we have a, we worked with a group up in uh, Reno that actually has a huge car collection, hundreds of cars. And they actually you know ended up you know, using our stuff to to store all of them because they they had a rust problem. Yeah, when mm. the cars sit for so long. There you go. You know, so um, yeah, so engine break in, collector cars, street performance. Obviously, a lot, a lot of guys who have a car that they go track day and that kind of stuff. So they yeah. have this kind of quasi need for a. I, I need a race oil, but really not a race oil because a true race only oil, which is the fourth category we service, and right. obviously is our bread and butter business. That's low detergent. Which would mean it's mm-hmm. only designed to run maybe five hundred, a thousand miles the most, and then you dump it, and then you dump it. What about filtration? What uh, you know? Oh, that's a 
I, I topic. Well, <laughs> I mean, I you know some cars have elements. Some cars just have the frames that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. spin on there. Uh, I've seen some crafty uh, like. Uh, a cleanable, you know, stainless steel type of... The, the key for filtration is this. The tightest clearance in your engine, you need a filter that can remove that particle size. Because right. it's, it's the only the dirt that's the size of the clearance that can actually get in there. Right. If it's too small, yeah. it passes through. If it's too big, it doesn't get in. Right. So it's the clearance size particles that are the key you want to filter out. Mm-hmm. And you get a filter that's very yeah. effective at that filter at that particle size, things are going to be good. And do you, do you have a preference on a conventional like paper f- filter versus let's say a stainless mesh washable cleanable? Well, you know, a, they call it like a depth style media, which be like a fiberglass or a paper, or anything that's got depth to it, typically can capture and hold more dirt mm-hmm. than something that's a mesh that's a one size. Because as those things start to clog up, you start reducing flow. Uh, I mean, the, the, although people but have to take them out and you clean like, them. Yeah. You right. How, uh, when you were, we were talking about sort of mixing and matching, how important is it when you buy a new car, Audi, BMW, whatever, Cadillac, and it says use Mobile One or use this synthetic brand on this vehicle, that when it comes time to change the oil, you use not only synthetic, not only that weight, but that oil? Right when it it's when it's a, a street application, yeah, you, you know, buy, like, yeah. I buy a BMW three series, mm-hmm. and it says you know use Mobile One so and so, but all I got around is the Joe Gibbs <laughs> <laughs> synthetic or Royal You're Purple or whatever it again. is. I'm back at <laughs> Pep Boys. Oh, how important is it to that engine? Very. So when the, when the manufacturer says this is the oil we use, and you buy the car. That's the oil you use until that car leaves you. You should. That's, That's I mean, the way it should I mean, be done. When somebody, again, I'm the head tech guy, so people call me all the time. And, and yeah. if you have a bone stock application, you've done nothing from the factory to make this engine have higher performance, yeah. right? Then what you need to do is go to the back of your owner's manual and look up what oil they call for, mm-hmm. right? Use that viscosity, meets that spec, and get a synthetic, pick a brand you trust. And yeah. use that brand and that brand only, and don't vary around. Well, look, right. there, there's a lot of guys out there now that are, let's say, they're picking up new Mustangs, the four valves, the three valves, and mm-hmm. you know they get it right off the showroom floor, and it's got some Motocraft synthetics and five W thirty on it. Now you can run that, you can continue to run it. It should be fine. It, you know, you're saying that's the best solution, but let's say you know you're starting to add some performance. Maybe you add a supercharger. Maybe the supercharger's oil fed. Do you, now you call me. Okay, and now, yeah. now we call you. <laughs> and now you call me. Yeah, when, when, when you start increasing cylinder pressure, right, yeah. e- either by changing cam or manifold or exhaust or however you start increasing the output of that engine, yeah. you've increased cylinder pressure. So now that poor exhaust valve has to open against that increased pressure, which mm-hmm. increases the load throughout the whole valve train, which increases the demand on the zinc in the oil. That's where you need higher level of zinc beyond stock. Because mm-hmm. as a stock engine, yeah. they've tested it, and they've already done all the engineering. It's okay, this oil has enough zinc to protect the loads we see in this stock configuration. Okay. They tested it. It's good. Once you change that combination, now you change the requirement for the zinc, and that's when you need to come call us. And okay, so then my next question would be, let's say you're picking up a Mustang or something like that, and you're going to start um, doing some work on it. You're saying you typically want to stick with the oil that the engine knows. So what if you pick up a car that's got 35,000 miles on it, and now I put a supercharger on it, and now I'm increasing pressure? and Well, you, know, you, you may end up having a few drops of mm-hmm. oil underneath your oil pan, maybe. Mm-hmm. And what about in life? At that point, do I still call you and say, look, I got 35,000 miles. It's still a fairly new car. But More than likely, it's going to be okay. Is, I mean, there, is there anything um, – this is going to sound stupid, but remember the oil flushing they like flush yes, the system yes. out, and yes. we're talking about you know out with the old and in with the new. Like taking the pictures of the first wife and putting them down when you invite the girlfriend over to the house. <laughs> you know, flushing the system out before you introduce the new oil into the system. Is there such a thing? Does it matter? Is it a waste of money? Is it fall under the heading of those or yeah. same categories? Those additives. Or, you know, when it's time to right, change you got 100,000 miles on the car. I mean, what do you do? Perfect example. Yeah, let's go back to your Mustang example. You, you buy a Mustang secondhand. It's got 35,000 miles on it, but it's a fairly recent model. Say it's an 05 or something. 
the best thing to do is figure out, okay, I'm, I'm going to put a supercharger on this. I'm going to do this and do that to it. Okay, what I want to do is I want to pick the oil that I'm going to use with all the modifications. I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to run that oil maybe 1,000 miles and then drain it out and, uh, and then refill. That'll flush it. Yes. You flush it with right. the stuff you're going to be use. using. Right. Yeah. Yeah, almost. So that's you, interesting. When you roll up to the easy lube and the guy's like, oh, yeah, we're going to flush it in, and he basically takes the— He puts transmission fluid through it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he um, uh, takes the takes the plug off the pan and then puts his little auto filler in the top, runs the engine, and just pumps oil through that. That doesn't seem like a good idea to me, but— uh, No, I would not recommend it. So you say run it, run it for 1,000 miles with the stuff it's going to have. That stuff is going to is gonna penetrate and pick up what's left of your old stuff— then flush that, yeah. and then go with the new stuff. Anything that you're like, if you're running in the aftermarket, let's say you add an, a supercharger that's oil-fed or turbochargers that need to be oil-cooled, you're basically running, like you got to break in those items for the first time, essentially, right? All that stuff does, yeah. So even if your car is 35,000 miles on it, you add a turbo to it. There's no miles on the turbo. Right, there's right. no miles on the in. turbo. you got to right. break that so stuff in. So you could in. actually use break-in oil for 500 miles. Yeah, Right. And then drain it out and then put in the oil you're going to run after that and be good. Because that, um, that would serve to flush okay. and break in at the same time. Yeah. We've got a question from uh, Alex on line one. He's got a 79 air-cooled VW. Yeah, because now air-cooled, you really rely on the oil. Alex? Hey, Adam. Long-time listener. Um, first-time caller. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for calling. What's up? Well, I have the 79 air-cooled, and um, I'm a huge user of synthetics. But not with the air-cooled stuff because it already has... Well, as you know, you know with Volkswagens, enough leaks already. And I've always been told that synthetics by the older crowd are a no-go with air-cooled. Yeah, well, a good thing we have Lake Speed here. And by the way, <laughs> 79... It's almost like these questions were made for him. 79 must have been the very last year that VW was doing anything air-cooled. What, what's the last year of the Beetle? I don't know, but it wasn't... I mean, 79? I feel like I feel like they had the rabbit out in like 75, 76. But, but even on the topic of air-cooled, when did they run the 911 to like 93? Oh, air-cooled. Air-cooled. Well, that's Porsche, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it actually had a 2-liter. It had an air-cooled 2-liter in your bug? In my bus. It was an air-cooled 2-liter. Oh, oh, bus. Not the oh, so you're talking ultra-high so performance. Known, but it was still the Boxster <laughs> air-cooled everything. Talking bus. Horsepower. I'm assuming the displacement was just up. Yeah, okay. With a strange motor, a lot of California emissions stuff. Sure. Real pain in the butt. All right. Well, what about that? Like, what about uh, synthetic with air-cooled crowd? Not a problem at all. In fact, one of the things we meant to say earlier about the NASCAR deal, synthetic actually has a higher heat capacity. It can actually absorb more heat from the parts. You actually mm-hmm. get better cooling efficiency. So if you had a properly formulated synthetic for an air-cooled engine— you would have great success. Most of the problems people have and the, the, the bad rap that synthetics have gotten over time was because people went from using a conventional oil where all the seals and everything had been conditioned conventional oil, and they got excited about synthetic oil, and they drained out that stuff and put in new synthetic oil, and it started leaking, or it did weird things, and they just didn't – they weren't happy because they didn't know – it's not really the oil's fault necessarily. It was mm-hmm. a, a bit of a misapplication. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, if if he's got one that he gets re, rebuilt, you know, for whatever reason, if after break in you put in synthetic, it's no problem at all. Actually, we do a lot of work with an engine builder uh, that all he does is air cooled Porsches and Volkswagen motors, and we actually helped him to develop a air cooled specific oil. Oh, there you go. So is, Alex should keep doing what he's doing unless he rebuilds the motor. Is right, right. now is your break-in oil that's not that's mineral correct, correct? um do you have a synthetic break-in no you don't want synthetic for break-in you don't want synthetic with break-in but now see here's the part that's uh, confusing to me we're talking about introducing one oil and then introducing a, a new oil and confusing your um seals correct. seal confusion <laughs> well <laughs> so poor seals don't club them <laughs> right right so now it sounds this is counterintuitive to me because you've introduced a mineral based oil in the break in and now we're going to swap it out for the synthetic based stuff that does seem like a confusion on the seal like why not go synthetic straight on through like a synthetic break in and then a synthetic a full-time motor oil. You could do a synthetic break-in oil, but it would be 
four times more expensive than the conventional oil, mm-hmm. and then people. Oh, you're dumping it. Yeah, you're dump. You're going to dump it in 500 miles. So why do you? And, and in 500 miles is not enough time for the seals to get very conditioned and very ah, happy. They're not laid. They're not laid out and dried like they are in Pier right. 52 in San Francisco yet. So all right. you're really talking <laughs> about, you're breaking oil is all about. The additive. So right. you're saying, you know, most oils are maybe 80% whatever, and then you guys do 20%, but your breaking oil is not that way. Your no, breaking yeah, breaking oil, just... oil, breaking oil is a little bit more like on steroids, right. just for that yeah. one little bit of period of time to establish that foundation. Then the regular oil just maintains it. You, the zinc levels come down to a more mm-hmm. normal level, and you just maintain. The race oils have all these exotic friction modifiers to make more horsepower. Right. The hot rod oil has all the yeah. rust inhibitors to prevent rust. You know, the street performance oil is kind of a combination of the two. You know, it kind of falls yeah. somewhere in between so that it gets, you know, best of both worlds to some degree. So what kind of zinc content is involved? Like, what's the difference between your race oils and your street oils? Well, basically, you're, all of the breaking oils are really high, like 2,800 parts per million, which right. is like stupid high, mm-hmm. right? Then you get down to the race oils, and they all fall into about 1,200, and that, which is, you know, the, the normal passenger car oils today is 800 is the max for, say, a 5W30. But we have a 5W30, you know, street performance oil that's 1,200, which is what it used to be back in the day before we had problems. Okay. I think we have another question, uh, by the way. Brian, uh, line two up. Brian? Yes, sir. Well, you got a vintage racing nice question? To be here with all of you. Yeah, good to see you. <laughs> I uh, run my car at track events. It's a Cobra Daytona Coupe replica, Factory 5, and I've got a small block Ford engine. Though it gets pretty hot, about 200 and 60 or 70 degrees sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've been told hot. to change my oil between track day events, and I've been doing that. It holds about 12 quarts, so it's a, it's a great big oil pan and cooler. But I've always wondered, is, is, is that the wise way to go, or should I simply use synthetic oil and, and use it throughout the season? I don't put that many miles on the car. So, Lake, when you cook your oil, so to speak... Um, you can uh, – I don't let me put words in your mouth, but can you cook uh, mineral oil and sort of thus burn it, ruin it, or whatever it, versus synthetic, harder to cook, you know, oh, 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 too much temperature in it for too long a period of time? Yes. Basically, about 240 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, the oxidation rate, which is the fancy chemical word for the breakdown of the oil, mm-hmm. at 240F on a conventional dinosaur oil – Oxidation rate skyrockets. Right. And every every eighteen degrees Fahrenheit increase from that, you've cut your oil life in half. So it, you it just you've burnt your oil. You've cooked. You've ruined your oil to a great. To a great well, degree. yeah, you're shortening the life. The life. The right. life of the oil is getting really great or getting very small. Which is why people in the old school was okay. Use conventional oil. Change it every change race it. Right. because right. in the old days you ran small oil capacities, wet sump motors that ran ridiculously hot. Right. And you just change oil every race, and that made sense. If you have a 12-quart capacity system, if again, once you've uh, you know, refreshed the engine and you put synthetic in it, with that much volume, synthetics can run 320 degrees before they start hitting that point. Mm-hmm. So your key then is you just change the oil filter after each race. Uh-huh. And add a quart. A- add a quart of oil. As long as the oil looks good, mm-hmm. yeah. it is good. I mean, it sounds really rednecky, but it's just the truth. I mean, it, 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 the oil <laughs> it's turns— so rednecky. Well, it, when the, it's, just, it's just basic. If the oil right. looks good, it is good. It turns dark, yeah. starts to smell, change it. So he wants to go and switch to a synthetic. Does he have to go with 12 quarts of synthetic, then swap it out, then put 12 more quarts in? Or could he put in, I don't know, eight or nine quarts, run it for a little while? You don't want to No, but no, I'm saying of the same synthetic. Like we're talking about the sort of flush flush out, the sort of flushing notion here. Like what if he put in eight quarts of the synthetic, got the motor up to temperature, Kept it at that temperature for a little while, and then flushed it out and put in twelve quarts. Could he? Oh yeah, try and do that? Oh, yeah. I, I was uh, down at uh, Shaver Specialties Racing Engines Company down, down in Torrance yesterday, doing some oil tests. Actually, what you? Yeah, yeah. Huh? I know. Nuts. Shocking. <laughs> Nuts. Um, and it's an eight quart system. And when I was doing flushing between the oils to try to season them in, I would only put in five quarts because that's enough to make, right. get the engine running and right. bring it up mm-hmm. the temperature. Why right. waste three quarts of oil? So Brian, what kind of events are you doing? Just track day events. You know, uh, up so you, at Laguna Seca this year, they're going to have 45 Cobras out on re- the real track. Real Cobras. 
<laughs> Don't rub it in. It's because he's got one from South Africa. <laughs> Come on. This is a coupe. He no, said it was a coupe. My, my, I, I built mine. It's a, it's a factory five. Adam, reach over and give uh, Motorator a titty twister for me. <laughs> Thank you. Factory five's out of South Africa, right? No. No, Boston. No, oh, no. shit. Yeah, I didn't say oh, Rhode that. Island. I was Adam. No, they're Rhode Super Performance. Oh, Super Performance. Is the South oh, African shit. stuff. No, I'm all with you all right, on the Factory so, 5. All right, now hold on. You got a, you got the Factory 5 Coupe then. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, the, the no, like Daytona Cobra Coupe. I like that car too. Yeah, that's a cool car. That's sweet. With the right paint so, scheme. You know what? Actually, I spoke to Pete Brock about that very car. Name dropper. (laughs) The ladies go nuts when I talk about (laughs) Pete Brock. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, You know, and Pete told me that with the original Daytona, that the side was pretty slabby and that he really wanted to kind of bring it in like like you have in in your Factory 5 one or your Super Performance one. He has Factory 5. All right. Point is this. Hey, he never really had the time to sort of finish it he told me the way he really wanted to finish it and with the new coupe he now was able to get it to how he wanted it so you can tell people with a certain amount of pride this car even though the original cars were seven million dollars (laughs) more this is worth as much as uh, this is the better car yours is the better car brian yeah this is like a be most like a bone stock scirocco would be but the point is I have the satisfaction of knowing. I sleep well at night, my friend, knowing that Pete Brock wanted that car to look like this car. Don't lean on the fiberglass. Thank you you very much. That's a cool car. I like it. As a matter of fact, I was, years ago, when everyone was uh, talking about the GT40 kits that were all, you know, first they had the Cobra kits and then mm-hmm. the gt40 kits i was like somebody's got to do the daytona cobra because that's a bitchin front front engine car yeah. and uh sure enough they started doing it and with those uh roush you know uh crate motors with the injection and yeah. you know just sort of 500 horsepower drive it every day and all like, that like kind of stuff that's just a, that's just a lot of fun right there it's, yeah. a, it's a great car i'll send you a picture i bought my, well my wife bought mares mirrors from pete brock actually Talked to his wife. Really, he, Gail. He took my mirrors to the post office to mail them in time for my birthday. <laughs> wow, that is uh, not, that's a great story and very sad that Pete had yeah. that kind of time. I have been to Pete Brock's house. Oh yeah, yeah. He lives in a place in Henderson that it's like the greatest thing ever. Um, they built some huge like double gated community with all these big beautiful houses on top of a hill that overlooks Vegas and then the housing crisis hit and none of them sold <laughs> and he got his house at like half price and nobody else sold a house they didn't sell another house so now he has his own guard and his own gate and it's like he's in his own gated community but he's the only one <laughs> Are the, are the houses there just empty? Does he just yeah. take every garage? It's, like, it's like, like Omega Man. Yeah. And, and so he lives in this huge house on top of this huge hill in this huge gated community, but he's the only one who lives there. So it's like he has his own guard and his yeah. own gate and his own driveway. It's this crazy, yeah. weird thing. And I don't know if they'll ever sell the other places or how it's going to work, but he just literally lives alone, I mean, with his wife, Gail, up on this beautiful house that overlooks uh, Vegas. Yeah, last he, time he, he's not telling you that his HOAs are fourteen thousand a month. Right, he's have to pay for the guard <laughs> he's got to pick there. up all, all of, of it. it. The guard, the gate, he's yes. pay for all of it himself. Yeah, at it's, least he can drive as fast as he wants to in his neighborhood. No one's <laughs> yeah. going to complain about it. Yeah. It's really nice. Some lawns and shit. Yeah, I'm going to be a one upper and uh, tell you that he picked me up at the airport when I when I landed in uh, Vegas. And his uh, was he at a Daytona coupe? He was uh, driving a. Uh, a t- Actually, his wife was driving. Everyone drives a Ford F one fifty. By the way, like that, if Ford is doing yeah. truck commercials, they should just go look. Every single legendary guy who ever built a car picks everyone up at the airport in a Ford F one fifty extended cab. Like that's, that's all that's they drive. The, that's the going out car. I, that's their car. They yeah. no matter what. This guy's a Datsun guy. Yeah. He's not driving a Tundra. He's got the Ford F one fifty. That's why you can get like the limited or platinum edition. That's like like. 
you know, it's like getting inside of an Audi. Mm-hmm. It's a F one hundred and fifty Audi. Oh, sixty five thousand dollar truck. Speaking of the, my app. dad's got one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like every 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 car guy, while they can't agree on you know what kind of car to race or what kind of motor motor oil to use, they can't agree on the one truck that, that they're going to use to drag the car to the race yeah. or drag themselves to the race. Uh, Lake and speaking of Audi, we want to toss to uh, actually some video with the uh, R eight, which is absolutely uh, yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Lake, let's toss out, uh, ah, DrivenRacingOil.com, www.DrivenRacingOil.com. Now, um, you saw the case of Royal Purple that's out. I put it out front because I was just going to toss it. You know, I, just wanted, <laughs> I, I thought it was a welcome present. <laughs> no, no, I was like, get that shit out of here, man. But, uh, you know, it's going to get lonely if there's no Joe Gibbs racing oil next to it. So uh, I'll be waiting by the door for my case of uh, Joe Gibbs. Because uh, I'll tell you, man, uh, we use that stuff in all of my race cars. And now I did not know that you guys had the hot rod stuff for the cars that sit yeah, around. I want to know what, which of your oils should Adam put in his car. Nobody parks a car like me. <laughs> and I tell people all the time, this ain't no trailer queen. It doesn't get driven at all. Oh. <laughs> like, you don't understand. It doesn't it's even, never been on a trailer. It doesn't get driven to, to the trailer. Yeah. It doesn't move. You understand? No trailer queens here. No. I either have, uh, yeah, my cars have two modes, which is either not moving at all or me attempting to brake them on a track. There's, no, there's not much in between. And uh, I have a lot that don't move at all. But that, that you have an oil for that that would have the rust inhibitor, Correct. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I like that. So I'm going to need, like, 3,700 quarts of that. 3,700 quarts. Okay. You can do it in 55-gallon yeah. barrels if you want to save time. <laughs> oh, I need send a, you a tanker load. I need a pallet jack, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Somebody order a forklift. Uh, Lake, this has been a little uh, slice of heaven. Um, Lake Speed Jr. And, again, the website, DrivenRacingOil.com. If you're serious about your vehicle, you'll pick up. And, again, uh, this is uh, no hobby. And, and the thing about Joe Gibbs is, you know, he's set for life. He doesn't need you. He didn't no. need to go create his own oil. He did it because he had to. There, he needed it. No one else created it, and he created it. It's not like he was sitting around looking at his Super Bowl ring going, you know what, I'd like to sell some crappy oil to some idiots. <laughs> yeah. He was like, hell no. There is a void, yeah. and it needs to be filled with zinc. That's right. That's it's right. It's not just to put his name in a Pep Boys. That's right. And hell, he doesn't. He, he, he thumbs his nose at Pep Boys. Yeah. yeah. Fuck them. We don't Fuck Pep Boys, he says. <laughs> DrivenRacingOil.com. Lake Speed Jr., thank you so much for coming Thanks, in. Guys. And uh, hang out, by the way, and go to adamcroll.com, by the way, and check out this video. This is the Audi R8. This is the V10. This is the V10. My favorite car we've driven so far. Enjoy. Ah, yes, the Audi R8. Uh, Finally, it's here. This is the V10. This is the 10-cylinder. It's got a real six-speed manual transmission. Who knows if we're ever going to see that again? <laughs> I really like it. Uh, I, I, I like it a lot. I like the gated shift. Uh, I like the knurled aluminum knob. Every time you shift, it gives that nice click noise. Get that click sound. It is uh, just awesome. And the V6, uh, sorry, the uh, V10 spools up very nicely. Naturally aspirated. Yeah. So it was 5.2 liter. It's 525 horsepower, and uh, I want to say the red line's like 8,700 RPM. To, yeah. To get 10 cylinders to, to wind out like that, it just sounds amazing. And again, that's not, you know, an F1 3-liter 10-cylinder motor. That's over 5 liters, spools up yeah. very quickly. Car just feels balanced, and, you know, this is the, the very definition of having your cake and eating it, too, in terms of you could drive it in traffic so easy to drive it's so easy to drive it's so easy to manage air conditioning going satellite radio no heating issues nothing's temperamental about it and i don't even know honestly from a maintenance standpoint the difference between driving this car and just driving an audi the, the warranty, I believe, is the same. I think it's still four-year, 50,000-mile. Like, it's still just a regular Audi warranty. The 10-cylinder is the same engine that's derived from the Lamborghini Giardro, which we know, but it's also the same one that was in the Audi S6. Right. 
So there's not, I mean, other than the scheduled oil changes and stuff like that, there's not a bunch of exotic stuff that comes along with I don't with think this so. Car. It's not like some of the other cars we've seen. Even the Nissan GTR or the Aston Martin, like you drive the Aston Martin and there's something like, what is it, like the first 2,500 miles, you have to at least take it in for its checkup, tighten well, the Well, the Aston Martin <laughs> is like, if you let it sit for more than two days, yeah. the battery goes dead. And they don't tell you, then at a certain point, they all, most Ferraris and Aston Martins and a lot of cars are this way where they go, oh, if you don't drive this car every two days, you gotta keep it on the trickle charger. Yeah. And you're like, well, thanks douchebag who sold me the car for not telling me this information yeah. because my Aston Martin battery's gone dead 200,000 times. It's never started when I've started. And it's not a Ford Explorer and you have four kids, meaning, right. If there was a car that you were going to let sit for more than two days, it would be the DB9. It would be the Ferrari 599. Yeah. It would be the Ferrari 612. Like, obviously, these are weekend, go out with the Guma, you know, leave the wife at home kind of cars. These aren't everyday cars. So just by virtue of the fact that they're not everyday cars, they're yeah. going to be dead every other weekend, you know, because you're keeping it in Palm Springs and you go out there and you drive your Denali out there and then you hop in and it's dead every time. This seems like a nice sort of middle ground before, between something like uh, the Nissan GTR and the aforementioned like Gallardo yeah. or Ferrari uh, 430. And, and what I is think, it? 436? Yeah, or 458 is the new one. Yeah, this is, this is probably as close to a Porsche Turbo S yeah. that's out there. The Turbo S, because of its all-wheel drive, might be a little faster. Of course, the GTR is. Yeah. But this car is actually easier to drive than the GTR. It's more comfortable. And I would probably say, as I've said before, this car's beautiful, but they oh, haven't, they've not changed the shape in about four years. No, I think the 2014 model is gonna get a mild facelift. It's not gonna be too radical, but one of the things that you might see mm -hmm. is no more manual transmission. They're right. gonna go to a, 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 a dual clutch. Yeah, I would- Which if, I would miss. If I was watching at home at adamcarolla.com, I would get myself a, 2009 yeah. eight-cylinder version of this, just owned by one podiatrist in Palm Springs. It put 7,000 miles on it. That kept still it under Palm warranty. Springs, that and kept it inside, and, inside. and that's it. That, that yeah. that's it. And I and I think I'd get it for $91,000 and call myself a genius. And if I felt like I didn't spend enough money, I'd go to one of those guys that bolts yeah, like, on the supercharger. Yeah, like VF Engineering, one of those guys. I tell you though, and driving, spend another 12 grand. The eight-cylinder versus the 10-cylinder. The performance doesn't really compare. Like this car right. is a monster. But once you get the eight cylinder for ninety grand and you spend eleven yeah. five on the intercooler and the and the bolt on turbocharger or the bolt on yeah. supercharger, and then you get another hundred foot pounds of torque than this car has currently and another twelve horsepower, I think you'd be fine yeah. with it. This is a 2012, so in 2014, when the facelift comes out, you probably get a good deal on this too. Yeah, and, write it, you and, down for this. and it looks fantastic. It just, it just works. I mean, for me, a lot of the cars, and maybe the Italia, the 458 is doing this a little bit. Maybe the Gallardo's this way a little bit. Maybe a lot of the stuff, although I don't, I don't think the Murcielago's this way with the as far yeah. as Lamborghini goes. One, yeah. A lot of them are just getting a little bit too streamlined, a little bit too, you know, stealth fighter, a little bit too F22 Raptor, like a little Gennaro something missing a little of that yeah. just je ne sais quoi, well, the crazy And it seems flare. like the design motif of all these cars is very angular, where this one is much softer and rounder. Yeah, a little more of the bar still, of soap. Yeah. Like you said, it's been out for years and it doesn't feel dated. It still feels no. way futuristic. Today. Yes. All right. So this one is oh, well, we 150000 but with all these bits, we got 185000 So we got, we got $30,000 worth, worth of brakes. But here's the deal. Eight piston front Eight piston. Eight piston carbon you ceramic see, brakes. You're just showing off now with the eight piston. Like <laughs> Do you need you, like the extra you know two? I don't know. No, and um, you don't even need the carbon ceramic brakes either. But it, listen, all cool stuff to talk about. Let's fire it up and open the hatch. Yeah, let's do that. So I'm gonna give it some revs and then we'll take a look at the engine too, which is pretty all nice, right. but uh, all in the muscle.
what it, how, how high is it letting you go? I still went to about 7,000. 7,000. Right. Yeah, the rev limiter is kicking in at 7,000 as it sits. All right, let's uh, look at it. Damn, it's hot out here. Just lift, there yeah. So like I was saying before, this car has so much carbon fiber, just yeah. the sail panels, the engine, it's got yeah. 15,000 hours yeah. of carbon fiber on it. You don't have to get it. They did it a very, awesome. very nice job in this engine compartment. I mean, the fiber, oh, yeah. the knobs Oof. are nice, the plenum's beautiful. Get some marshmallows out here. Yeah. It's cooking. It's hot anyway, and now it's really hot. The, the little wing comes All fiberglass, out. Air, I mean, all carbon fiber airbox, really cool, the wing that Let's comes Let's see if there's up. a switch for that. I don't, you think there's a manual? I guess there is a manual. There is, so you that. can clean under it. Oh, I'm sorry for sounding gay, but oh. <laughs> you totally yes, gave so you it can up. clean under it. That yes, makes sense because so if it only it. came up at, at 65 miles an hour, how would you ever get your boy to detail it? Yeah, actually, it comes up at 65. So on your way home on that yeah. back road, when the cop sees the wing up, he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah you're not doing 30. We know wow. what you were doing." I, I love the star drive or the uh, not the star drive. Well, the yeah. the spline drive or star drive like all the stainless steel yeah. car companies finally got it which is car guys really like what a car looks like under the hood and you put in a big piece of plastic like a big plastic trash can lid under there that just said cadillac in the middle of it yeah. and it was made out of plastic it says but it was do supposed not to be touch aluminum. dealer only yeah yeah that wasn't cutting it we love the uh we love the the uh, aluminum we love the, yeah, the, the you know again they they took time and they 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 made the right fittings, the right nut and bolt selection, the uh, all the fluid caps and all that kind of stuff. I like the probably nice uh, oil fill, and I'm guessing yeah, that's for the engine oil. I don't God knows where the dipstick is, but the uh, oil fills really. You know what? Really Some of these cars they don't need the dipstick anymore. They just go by the gauge. Oh, it'll just fire it up and say, hey, you're you're low on something, and then interesting. You know, you could top it off in an emergency, or then mostly it's for the dealer. But at least they show it off. All right, I'm gonna go drink a soda. You guys uh, look around the car, and uh, until next time, this is Adam Corolla for Matt, the motorator, DeAndrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel.